0: Welcome to the Mastering Dentistry Series on the Newbie Dentist Podcast. This podcast will focus on providing value to dentists who are striving to learn, evolve, and master their trade. Your hosts are Dr. Ziad Hamad and Dr. Ricky Hamami. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mastering Dentistry series with the Newbie Dentist podcast. I'm your host today, Dr. Ziad Hamad, and I'm absolutely privileged today to introduce to you a mentor that I've been looking up to for the past few months, ever since I got to know him. Today's talk will be about his journey to excellence and his passion that is digital dentistry. He received his dental degree from the University of Toronto in 1997, after which he practiced as an associate for a couple of years. Then he decided to buy the practice that he was associating in and grew it into a very successful practice, one of the most successful practices in the region, in Waterloo, Canada. What was totally unique about our speaker today is his dedication to his vision and following his passion. He took digital dentistry to a whole other level and has been a digital dentist since 2009 a time where digital dentistry was not nearly as common as it is today. He is a key opinion leader for multiple dental companies like Dent one of the first key opinion leaders for sure Smile in Canada. He's also a key opinion leader for Vita, Patterson, and Voco, and was a keynote speaker for multiple Dent events. He's been teaching ceramic dentistry for the past 10 years and has recently co-founded Dentistry Academy, the Center for Continuing Education, where he teaches hands-on digital dentistry courses and many more. For anyone who does in-house digital crowns, you know how tough it is to get great aesthetics. Our speaker today has mastered the art of tints and shades. Word around the block is, he's named the king of the single central cat crown. I've seen that firsthand where his work just blends in perfectly with the dentition. With all his skills and success, you'll now find a more humble, honest, easy to talk to uh, mentor and friend. I'm personally fascinated by the digital workflow. Our speaker today has been honestly such a role model in achieving excellence in the digital workflow. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm privileged and honored today to present to you Dr. Jeff Sumner. How's it going Jeff?
0: Thanks, Cian. Oh, it's going great, Sid. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm flattered to hear all that and yeah, if you could see me, I, I'm blushing, it's uh, uh, quite the intro. Thank you very absolutely. much. Absolutely.
1: Always a pleasure chatting to you and you know having you on. So um Jeff, usually when we start those podcasts, I'm trying to get a little bit of a backstory. So if you don't mind, just telling us a little bit about your life and how you got into dentistry.
0: Yeah, I'd be happy to, Ziad. Um, it's I I don't know if it's interesting, but I'll give you the backstory. So I grew up in a family with uh, two older brothers, and I'm the youngest of the three. And my oldest brother went into medicine, and and I was always into uh, I always liked science and math, like I'm sure most most dentists that uh, that end up being dentist that's kind of our our lead up into into it but uh my oldest brother I saw him go into medicine and I saw him deal with things that I didn't necessarily want to deal with you know having people die was really not something I was keen on and and you know here we are 2023 20, 20, yeah 23 years later that I've practiced dentistry and yeah I haven't killed anybody yet so I'm uh, I'm doing all right. (laughs) So I kind of, after, after watching what he went through and dealing with that, and and it's tough emotionally, I decided, you know what, I wanted to continue in the medical field to some degree, but I was also interested in the business aspect of of that. And, And really, you know, dentistry, we're fortunate enough to, to have that nice combo where we are in the medical field. Uh, but we are running our own business and, and yeah some may say that's an advantage or a disadvantage but there are certainly challenges and and i was I was more interested in in pursuing that kind of uh, focus in, in my future
1: it's funny you say that because that that's pretty much um, the reason I got into dentistry except for me it was my it was my dad so my dad is anesthesiologist yeah. yeah so yeah um, growing up I always wanted to do medicine but then when I, I reached a point in uh, undergrad I was like It's the the quality of life and just seeing him come home and uh, being uh, stressed out from the intensity of those procedures. So uh, to me, that's when I started looking into dentistry.
0: I agree. And being on call all the time, you know, that's challenging. I mean, at least in Mm -hmm. dentistry, we can set our own hours. We have we can set our own life, which which really appealed to me. Having having that balance instead of being uh, Mm -hmm. dictated what this is when you work and, and when you don't work. Now, to add to the story, it was a little interesting. You know, I went through, uh, I had thought about dentistry maybe early on in, in the late high school years, uh, but then I, I kind of didn't really know where I was going to go. So I, but I went through undergrad doing science and biology. Actually, I have a degree in biochemistry, uh, did all four years at the University of Guelph. And the, it's kind of a funny story because the girl I was dating at the time, she applied to dental school after fourth year. And I thought, "Huh, yeah, I had thought about dentistry before. maybe I should apply, so it wasn't it wasn't something that I was you know bound and bent. I was going to be a dentist, you know, I applied, right. and the ironic thing was I got in, and she didn't <laughs> uh, you know uh, that that now you know <laughs> years later, she's a very, very successful chiropractor uh, <laughs> down in the Windsor area, but she ended up not being a dentist and I was the one that got in oh, you But uh, I didn't end up marrying her she's a fantastic girl but uh, yeah no I'm uh, married married uh, my wife Cindy who I met in dental school, in dental school. Oh, that's incredible. so it was uh, you know it's kind of funny I mean I don't th- I think that kind of set the future for 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 where I was going with that relationship when I got in and she didn't I think that kind of uh, ended that relationship <laughs>
1: Well, there's, there's so much to thank your ex-girlfriend for uh, getting you into dentistry. So it's um, great to have you in the field. So thanks to her.
0: <laughs> well, it turned, it, it turned out well, didn't it? I mean, you know, I was lucky enough that I actually got into something that I, that I enjoyed. And, you know, uh, honestly, I think luck was probably a part of it. Uh, it turns out, you know, I think when, when we jump into the field of dentistry, it's a bit of a leap of faith because we don't necessarily know a lot about it. Uh, I had done a little bit of shadowing, but I didn't know what I was getting into. And you know, it turns out that yeah, I do. I love I love the uh, the field of practice we're in. I love uh, our job. It's it's That's amazing. awesome.
1: It definitely shows uh, like your passion uh, in your work. So um, I think that brings us to our next question. So the first one to five years out of school. How was it for you? Uh, what kind of mindset, you know, finishing dental school and um, uh, getting into the work field? Did you ever consider specializing? And um, how was your journey?
0: Well, I wasn't, I've got to admit, I never really looked into specializing. I was ready to get out into the workforce and make some money and, and get on with my career. I had Because I did four years of an undergrad degree and then four years of dental school, I was ready to get out uh so specializing really wasn't on uh on my radar and and you know I'm glad I didn't because I really like doing all aspects mm-hmm. of dentistry i i knew i wanted to associate because i needed to get some more experience so i associated at a uh at a practice uh close to my cottage which is in tilsenburg actually the cottage is in tilsenburg but i associated there and i i worked with a guy and he was a very uh, good experienced dentist but I didn't have the opportunity that that young dentists now have, or or that I think that we're trying to provide, which is, mm-hmm. is that mentorship, you know, I worked with this guy and hoping that I would, would learn and I wanted to watch as much as I could. But I also knew early on that I wanted to be running my own show, I wanted to run my own practice. And so when I spoke with him, and we had this associate agreement, he said, after a year and a half, we're going to have this talk about you buying in mm-hmm. to the practice. And I thought, that's great, I don't need to to be a sole owner right off the bat. Uh, so a year and a half rolled around and I said to him, okay, let's have that conversation. And he said, Jeff, you know what? I, uh, I really like what you're doing here. Uh, I like the dentistry that you're doing. You're fitting in great, but you know what? A year and a half, I'm not, I'm not ready to sell anything. He said, you know, let's, let's keep you associating here for another, uh, five years and then we'll have this discussion. Well, you know what? That, that kind of, said it for me and I said that's that's really not my vision so that's when I started uh looking into buying my own practice and six months later I did so you know two years after being out almost to the day after graduating I I bought my own practice and you know that is a daunting thing it's a scary thing you know even more so now with the price of practices back in the day you know I was I was buying a practice for you know, 80% of what it was billing. That's how they evaluated practices. So I got it at a steal. And, you know, I mean, now, of course, if we were able to get a practice for for that kind of price, anybody would jump at it. But uh, there there was no doubt in my mind that I wanted to be running my own show. And then when I, when I took over that practice, it was a, a dentist who was done. He, you know, he was a young enough guy, which again, was, was interesting. He was about 50 years old, but he had a different calling and he wanted to move on. So he only continued to practice with me for about six months. And then after six months Mm -hmm. I was on my own. And as I said, there, Ziad, I didn't have, uh, the mentorship that, that we tend to want to provide now. And that, that I think everybody should be, should be looking for. So I was, (laughs) you know, sink or swim. And, uh, and I was out there on, on my own, but the first first five years was a scary time you know, because you're, you're, you know, you're out there and you want, you're so used to having somebody over your shoulder telling you, are you doing things right? And somebody that you could check in on. Uh, and, and so for the first year and a half, I had that somewhat. And then after that mm. I was on my own and, and I really, I, I think that if I had the opportunity that is presented to a lot of dentists, young dentists now to have some of that mentorship, that would have changed my career path in a, in a different way. I I think I would have even taken on what I did faster. I would like to think that, I don't know if that's, if that's the truth, but you know, I would hope to think that.
1: What kind of advice would you give to a lot of young dentists, um, right now that have graduated, but don't have that mentorship? So you mentioned, um, you, you lost that mentorship that you somewhat had a year and a half after, um, practice, but uh, what about the young dentists starting out, and uh, that they don't have that kind of mentorship? Right. What What would you What kind of advice would you give to them to um to excel their careers?
0: Right, and and I think that that's a great question because how do you do it? Well, there's so many different avenues now that we didn't have back then. I mean, first of all, I would look for an associateship where you have that that understanding with the principal dentist that. I, you know, as, as an associate, I want to learn, I want to learn as much as I can from you and absorb as much as I can from you. So I think that you as a young dentist need to, to show that passion for that dentist and say, I want to learn everything I can from you. Um, and I'm willing to do it now as young dentists, you also have all these different avenues. I mean, we've just learned, and I think everybody has really been able to take advantage of the online education that we've had for the past three months during COVID-19 that, that we've been shut down. And there's been so many free seminars that have been fantastic. And we've done a number of them on, on the dentistry Mm -hmm. Academy, but there's, there's so much more out there in terms of education and you can still find it. It's actually been a fantastic Mm -hmm. time that the, you know, I think that a lot of these young dentists could maybe look at this time and go, Oh, poor us, this is terrible. This is the worst time. It Mm -hmm. isn't really, it's all a matter of how you look at it. It's all a matter of perspective and you've had this incredible time to, to learn and yeah it's not necessarily the kind of learning you thought you'd be doing in your first few months out or even the the last few months of of your education but it is an opportunity of a lifetime to to learn and I know that there's a lot that have taken advantage of it and I think that's yeah. fantastic and again I it's it's a great way to connect with these other dentists out there you know Dr. Shurgan and Dr. Quick and myself you know we we love to have dentists come in and, and shadow us and learn whether they're going to be a part of our group or a part of our practice. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, love sharing that knowledge and I wish that I had that back when I was graduating, because I think that would be, um, a great opportunity. Yeah. You know, what I did at the time was I just tried to stay in contact with mm-hmm. my colleagues and, you know, I would go to the courses and every, we would go to, uh, you know, ODA and, and ASM and all these things, but, you know, not to the same degree. I, think the opportunity to learn right now is just absolutely
1: you. and I I completely agree with that um, as a young dentist as well starting out it's uh, reaching out to a lot of the um, successful more experienced dentists has been a major source of mentorship for myself um, even the, like you know a lot of mentors you haven't met so on Instagram um, it's an amazing community an amazing platform that a lot of there's, there's a lot of almost free mentorship that you can get uh, limited to a sense but it's uh, a lot of uh, learning opportunities on there for sure. So that's always something that uh, uh, if you don't have that direct mentorship in the office that you can, uh, you can get through social media and online learning as well. So I definitely believe in that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's nice Mm -hmm. to have the safety net. I think when, Mm -hmm. when you graduate for sure, you get into a tough extraction or you get into Mm -hmm. a tough endo or something that you're just, you know, you're sweating and uh, you know, it's nice to have that, that, uh, safety net there. If you can go to that principal dentist and, and they're mm-hmm. going to bail you out if need be. And I, and I think, you know, you can't be uh, too too full of yourself to think, oh, I can't ask yeah. for help. No, absolutely ask for help. I mean, you know, here I am 23 years later and I'm, I'm still learning and I'm, I mm-hmm. still ask for help. I still want to learn and I'm learning from guys like yourself, guys, young people are coming in. Yes, we're learning different things, but learning the aspect of of social media and how to reach a different audience, how to reach our patients. I mean, I'm doing now, you know, zoom right. uh, consults with, with patients and this is just a, a function of the different time, but I certainly have learned from, from your generation and, and it's fantastic. That's awesome.
1: So Jeff, let's get a little bit more into digital dentistry. So how did you get into the digital workflow you mentioned within? Um, a few years, you started having your own practice. When did you look into digital, digital dentistry and when was the big jump for you to invest?
0: Right. So when I graduated, as, as you already mentioned, I graduated in 1997 and then I uh, bought my practice here in Kitchener, Waterloo in 1999. And at that point, right at that point, I started looking into digital dentistry and CEREC dentistry was, uh, in its infancy at that point, uh, and I started, I started researching it because I, I knew that, or I felt, I didn't know, I guess I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball, but I felt that <laughs> digital dentistry was going to be part of the future. So I started researching it and there was uh, a colleague of mine that had uh, a CEREC 2 in his office and he said, Jeff, you got to check this out. It's, it's crazy technology. So I went and we took a model and we started playing with it. And, and truly, I mean, it was very rudimentary. Technology at the time, but it was it was very interesting. So after that point, when I started playing with that, uh, I started going to lectures every year, and my Patterson rep at the time was, you know, interested in promoting the CERIC system, and you know he would say, Jeff, you got to get into this. This you'd love this, and it's it's amazing. You can make more money, and it's it's pretty cool stuff. But to me, the quality of dentistry wasn't there, and that was really my the, the stumbling block for me, but I knew that it was getting better and better every year. So I kept going and it was finally in 2009 when I I took a model to a course and I made my own crown on this model and I was blown away. That was really the tipping point. So I, I, you know, and I said to, and then I came home after that course and I said to my wife, I said, this is it. This is what I need to have in my practice. I'm, I, I can do amazing dentistry with this. And she said, that's great you know, and, but I said, but it costs uh, 140,000 yeah. in 2009. That was a big investment. <laughs> and she said, uh, yeah, no, we're not doing that. And, but I was dead set. I said, this is, has got to happen. She said, we can make a down payment on a cottage or another house or something, or do renovations right. to the house. I said, no, I have to do this. I have to reinvest in my practice. I really felt strongly about it. And she resisted. She wasn't pleased with that, but I, I stood <laughs> stood strong and said this is what I have to do you know in hindsight she looks back and she says gosh I wish you had you know pushed earlier and said you were going to be uh into this earlier because I mean yes even in 2009 I was an early adopters yet but at that point it had been around for you know 10 years and there were guys that had you know learned earlier than me and you know and and to this state to this day it's not like I'm better than than anybody else that's out there, or I just have a lot more of experience, you know, and, you know, guys like yourself and, and your, your generation that's coming into this, you are going to reach the level that I've reached in a much faster manner than I did. And, and that's because the technology is so much better and because you're, you're able to learn it and because I can teach you or not just myself, anybody, you know, these, these mentors that, that you find can teach you mistakes that I've made along the way so you know it's it's pretty fantastic so uh, it was and it's been a journey and honestly since I got into it it made dentistry that much more fun I have so much more enjoyment doing dentistry and you know being a leader is is cool but that was just more of a a function of getting into it early
1: yeah and you mentioned you mentioned uh you were an early adopter right so there's something like the adoption curve for our listeners is basically like how early a person adopts a new technology. You have the innovators, the, uh, the early adopters like yourself. So, and then you have the, uh, uh, the following uh, rest of the population or uh, like the dentists that uh, utilize the technology after it's been um, established. So you were one of the first in Canada to get into digital dentistry. Um, do you have the same approach with all new technologies or was it just digital dentistry? And I know that there was a learning curve Right, especially with any new technology, um, there wasn't as much CE uh, back in the day for you, right? right. When you took on Seric, so how did you uh, right. take on that challenge um, and to master the digital workflow?
0: Right, and and again, the curve you talk of, you know, we all we all know it. It's that bell curve, uh, you know, yeah. whether you're an early adopter and so on. Yeah, so I mean, I I got the advantage of being an early adopter, and mm-hmm. and you know, it worked out well for me because, you know, I became the guy known in this area as, as the CEREC guy. And, and you know, and there were other, uh, CEREC dentists around here, but they, it was interesting. They wanted to kind of keep it to themselves. And I remember asking, you know, Oh, would they, would they show me their CEREC? And some of them were like, Nope, that's not it. They, they want <laughs> to keep it to themselves. They, they were, they thought it was secretive. Whereas I took a very different approach. I couldn't wait to share this knowledge with my, my friends and my colleagues. I'm like, guys, you got to check this out. This, technology is amazing it'll blow your mind and it it really did and I said and I had colleagues and friends and labs that came to my office wanting to learn the technology from me and I just I I was happy to share with them because I truly felt it was better dentistry and it was better for your for our patients so as I said I mean I, I was lucky enough to do that but how did I how did I learn I took courses you know I flew down to at the time there was you could only go down to Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona at, uh, at Sarek Docs. And I, and I went down there and I, I learned from the masters, um, you know, Sam Puri and and Mike Scramstead and uh, all these guys down there. And I learned from them. And, but I just looked up to these guys and, and, you know, the, the godfather of digital dentistry and CAD CAM dentistry, Dennis Fastbinder, these guys, you know, and I'm fortunate enough to say these guys are, are my colleagues and friends now. And I, you know, I hang out and, and have a few drinks with them and, and it's amazing. And and when it, t- that changed, it was a, that was a very strange point in my life too, Zed, You know, mm-hmm. I was taking courses as much as I could to learn. And then mm-hmm. at some point, Patterson asked me, Hey Jeff, what do you think about teaching a course? And I said, what do you mean? I'm taking courses. I, I'm, <laughs> nobody wants to learn from me, you know, but that was a very, that was a, a strange feeling when I, when I started doing a little bit of teaching and then it just kind of kept growing, kept growing, kept growing. And then I'd be working alongside and teaching with some of these guys that I looked up to through my development years with, with CEREC dentistry. And that was, it was, it was such a strange feeling, but I mean, you know, you're, you can take that opportunity and like yourself, uh, you know, embrace this technology and learn more you're i know Zia, you're doing that you're you know learning about uh digital smile design and and you're starting to embrace that in your in your work workflow and i think that's fantastic and i can't wait to to collaborate and work with you on uh, on some of these cases so absolutely you know it was it wasn't easy as i said i mean you had to actually travel to uh to get that education. Whereas now, you know, it's, it's so much online and we have great courses and we're putting on courses here in Canada to learn this kind of stuff, uh, here. So it's much easier.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So nowadays just, uh, you know, uh, for a lot of the courses, just, uh, um, with a click of a button, you can get a lot of that information. So we're truly fortunate, um, in this day and age for sure. So, yeah. um, Before we get into more of a clinical uh, discussion about, you know, the digital workflow and its applications with you, um, you've achieved such an excellence in your career uh, and mastership with the digital workflow. So I want to know about your life balance and how did you reach that level and maintaining that life balance? Did you always have that balance starting out or were you a lot more career driven early on and then you reached that balance?
0: Right. I would say I always knew that I w- wanted to find that balance. And that was important to me. And that obviously, even as I, I mentioned early on, that was important to me why I chose dentistry as a profession, because I didn't want somebody else dictating my hours, dictating my business and dictating how much I made or didn't make. You know, I, I, I wanted to be the, the captain of my own ship and control how how it was to flow for me you know fortunately I grew up in a, a generation where if you work hard you get rewarded you know it wasn't so yeah. much uh being lucky being at the right place at the right time mm-hmm. you know and and that is yeah. I'm sure there was a degree to that and I, and believe me I know I'm fortunate to to be where I'm in where I am and I and as I said I'm just I'm lucky that I chose a profession that turned out to work so so well for me but I knew that if I, if I worked hard and, and that much like the young dentist graduating right now, you're willing to put in crazy hours. And I did the same when I graduated, when I first started working, I was working evenings, weekends, whatever it took, I was willing to do whatever. And, and I couldn't, you know, I wanted to please everybody. And I, I was, I I would get mad at myself if, if a patient didn't like me, you know, for one reason or another, but the, the, the dentist, Dr. Albrecht, that I bought my mm-hmm. practice from, he, he gave me some good advice early on. And, and, you know, and he was a good mentor just from the lifestyle standpoint in that he said, you know, he was 50 years old and decided to to follow a different path. And I, I had a ton of respect for that. And mm-hmm. he said, Jeff, you know what? You cannot, no matter how hard you try, you're never going to please everybody all the time. And you're you're going to lose some patience. And, and, but, you know, do your best always just focus on doing your best and, and, you know, things will work out. And so I, I really took that to heart. So I, I don't know, I guess the, the turning point for me in terms of life balance was early on, as I said, I worked my butt off, like, like most of you young dentists out there mm-hmm. will. And, and I think that that makes sense and you have to, but when I started to have kids, that was yeah. uh, when, when Cindy and I started to have kids, that was a turning point. And I realized, you know what? It doesn't matter how much money you have spending time with your family is is more important you know no matter how much when you're on your deathbed nobody looks at your bank account they look at the relationships you have and you've had with your friends and your family and that really changed my life and and you know subsequent to that that's that's really been important for me to find balance you know and whether whether your focus is on you know, restoring old boats or, or playing golf or or whether it's going to the gym or working out or, you know, mm-hmm. doing whatever you do. But it's important to to have that balance because we are we're human beings like everybody else and, and we need to we need to be able to have a decent life and be able to connect with with mm-hmm. other people. And yeah, a lot of our a lot of people's lives is, is just industry and just work. Yep. Well, when it's time to retire, what's left? You know, yeah, exactly. you may have a big bank account and what does you it mean may have a good end, right? practice to sell. What does it mean? Exactly. Yeah. You have to have, you, there's more to life than just uh, than just dentistry and there's more to That's life good. than money. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we are fortunate enough to be in a profession where mm-hmm. we do make a good living and, and money really is not uh, going to be a huge issue. And so, you know. So on my side, right. It is. And once you get yeah. past that point and realize, you know, you have a successful practice and it's not going to just fall apart, but Oh my gosh, I can't tell you at the beginning when I started dentistry, you know, you're looking at the, how much did you bill per day? And what are your, what is your, what are your expenses? And, and it's very important to, to look at those things early on. But, you know, as you evolve, you realize, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be fine. And, and that's a really nice feeling to get to that stage where you don't have to worry so much. That's unfortunately awesome. the the path to get there i think is a little bit longer nowadays because yeah. of these crazy prices for practices yeah. and because of now our overhead and and all the expenses that we yeah. have to everything's uh, changing deal with right it. now yeah it, it is yeah. but yeah, yeah. and it, and it's very true And and i feel bad for your generation getting into this now but you know what this is don't don't look at this as a negative this is just mm-hmm. The evolution. This is the evolution of dentistry, and as long as you're willing to adapt and continue to evolve with it, then every you're going to be fine. We still have a great profession,
1: and it's all a mindset in the end, right? So everything I believe is uh, is that we're going to get hit, we're going to fall, but as long as we have the right mindset to always, you know, get up and uh, keep going, it's um, there's no reason why, no matter you know what the environment is. if things are going against us, it's um, having the right mindset is a, a key to success, as, um, as you've mentioned. So um, I totally, uh, totally believe in that. So, Yeah, and um, I
0: agree with that. And I think, you know, if you if you have those right mentors around you that that have that same philosophy, you're going to end up just fine.
1: Awesome. So I want to get a little bit more into the digital dentistry now, uh, a bit more clinical. So I want to see what your views are on the um, conventional versus the digital workflows. What kind of limitations do you see right now in digital dentistry? I know that we're past the point that, you know, uh, digital dentistry is new and uh, you kind of have to justify it, but I still think it'll be good to touch on that topic and, um, and then we'll take it from there.
0: Right. I would agree with you 100%. We are past that point. I think it's it's been interesting uh, because I've been teaching it for so long. And, and, you know, early on, there were a lot of, there was a lot of resistance um, to to digital dentistry. People would say, well, you know, polyvinyl is better and I can deal with this better. And my lab is better. That's what they do. But, you know, it, the, the evolution, the conventional versus digital, I would say honestly Zia, I do not feel there are really any limitations to mm. what digital dentistry can do now I think we have fully surpassed that I mean we're at the point where you know the gold standard of what we would do the toughest thing to do that that every dentist really hated doing was was dentures you know right. so we, it, it was painful and not as profitable and and you know but now we're at the stage with the 3D imaging that we can do digital dentures and do the scanning uh that is as accurate if not more accurate and it is more accurate with a uh with our with our 3d scanners whether you're using trios whether you're using prime mm-hmm. scan which is what i use and love um but there are some great scanners out there and there are pretty much no limitations i do everything that i do is is digital i mean whether i'm making a partial denture whether i'm making night guards whether i'm doing ortho it is all done Uh, via digital dentistry
1: yeah no and i've seen some in uh, some of your lectures that pictures of that single unit uh, um, abutments for the partial dentures and how you can just take a tooth scan it and mill a crown you know it's uh that fits perfectly and it's just incredible the um and truly that's
0: that's that's got to be one of the toughest things uh you know and and i've been through the tough things doing it conventionally you know Mm -hmm. trying to get, get trying to retrofit a crown that had a Uh, a rest prep and clasps on it for a partial denture and the patient uh, says i don't don't want a new denture i don't want anything i just want that tooth fixed and i want to keep my my old denture i don't want a new denture and and you know that that is one of the toughest things that we could could have done and with uh with conventional dentistry you know you're taking the denture away sending it to the lab they're without their denture for 24 hours or even more and then even then, you know, how does it fit? Well, you know, with digital dentistry and with the, the scanning, it is, it is amazing. And what's mm-hmm. really cool is when you can do that on a patient who's been through that process before some of these, right. you know, older patients that have had, uh, had that process done and you say, no, I don't need to take your denture away. We can do this right now. I mean, it blows them away. It's, uh, it's, you know, and, and truly, as you said, I mean, that's one of the toughest things to do
1: absolutely and you know speaking of dentures as well in digital denturism uh, dentures, really you know keen to learn about that topic i've been speaking to a lot of uh, denturists and it seems that there's a lot of uh, new advancements that are going to happen in the next um, uh, few months to a few years and i think it's going to be the next um, hot thing uh doing digital dentures so um it's a uh, would very i think
0: it's yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's here, it's still not the easiest thing. It's, it's, you have to be working with, with somebody who understands it, but it's going to become that much easier where we can do it all in house. Yeah. You know, at this stage, you know, when I do these kind of cases, I will send them out to my lab, but they are very, uh, versed in, in the digital technology, you know, Adam McCabe and, and, yeah. uh, these guys are, are, they understand it, but it's not a simple, simple thing to do.
1: Definitely and, not. Um,
0: yeah. But it's it's going to get easier and easier, and the, the, it's not only the technology, but the materials. You know, with three D printing that we do, uh, it just it just gets uh, better and better. I want to go back for a second. You asked me a question that I, I I remember that I don't think I I dealt with that question. You asked. You said, "Do I take the same approach with new technologies?" And I feel yes. bad that I didn't I didn't address that. And I want to say, to a degree, I would say. Almost, yeah, I would say I do. You know, because if I think about my journey, it wasn't like when Serac came out. I just said, "Yeah, I'm in." Obviously, it took right. me not, ten years. Ten years mm-hmm. before I before I jumped at it. Now I don't take ten years because the the digital technology is advancing that mm-hmm. much faster. So I do my research. I'm not just a guy who just jumps into any new technology. I certainly feel that it has to be something that makes sense in my practice? You know, is it something, and I ask myself certain questions, you know, is it something that I will use every day? If it is, absolutely. That's a check mark that I'm going to, there's a, there's a better likelihood I will invest in it. Am I going to get a decent return of investment on this? You know, mm-hmm. can this actually make me money? Um, and not necessarily make me money, but, uh, by buying it and can I bill for it, but mm-hmm. is it going to, speed up my processes in in the office and again if it does uh, uh, exactly and if it does absolutely is it something that is you know is something that will benefit my patients you know does it provide a better service you know a lot of it digital dentistry or digital x-rays absolutely for sure you know less radiation patients love that um you know can I alleviate their fears with it? You know, in terms of talking about lasers, lasers are, are you know, probably one of the next big things too. You know, and there's, yeah. I know there's some great ones out, out there. Um, and I haven't mm-hmm. pulled the trigger on in terms of the hard, tri- hard tissue on uh, lasers yet, but right. uh, I'm, I'm certainly, I think that it's there, there's a big future in it. So I, yeah. I do hold off. I'm not, you know, I'm not the innovator. I'm not the first yeah. guy to try it. <laughs> but i certainly as you already mentioned i'm i'm definitely an early adopter and i want to learn all about it before i invest in it so and then of course you have to evaluate you know the cost of it you know and that's Absolutely, and that's yeah. the final thing does it make sense and and yeah. that's where i think having like we talked about a different mindset you know is it not just about the cost that you don't just look at the number and go oh, that's scary because if if that were it nobody would buy a CEREC system nobody would buy a, a, a cad cam system because they are expensive but when you realize how how much more efficient and right. and how much more profitable it can make you and on t- in on top of that think about you know i think that covid is going to be probably that that push that pushes a lot of dentists that were on the fence and waiting 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 mm-hmm. to make that next step i think that this will be the the final straw because patients are now going to demand it they don't want Definitely. to spend more and yeah. more uh, visits in our office right they single visit dentistry is going to become even more important. My patients have have uh, loved it and benefited from it for the past you know ten plus years, but I think that the yeah. average dent or the average patient will be now more demanding mm-hmm. of that, so I think that yeah. this I hope that this is probably the uh, the tipping point for a lot of dentists
1: yeah, definitely no, thank you for uh, going back to touch on that point because it kind of uh, you know uh brings me to our next well, we question you no know. yeah. <laughs> brings <laughs> me to our next. a little verbose. <laughs> no no that was great now it's just, it's a you know it's a a, it's a wealth of knowledge that uh, that that you're talking about and um, I think all right everybody's going to be very appreciative of all these uh tips so i think brings us to our next point so when would you say it's wise for um, a practice to invest into a CEREC system or at least a scanner, right? So you need to be doing a lot of, you know, indirect restorative treatment to yield an ROI. Uh, What about startups, right? Um, Right. Would you say, when would you invest and how would you start that process right away?
0: Right. I would say in in a short answer, the sooner the better. But Mm -hmm. the reality is, not right away when you're doing a startup i don't think that makes sense mm-hmm. you need to as you said i mean you need to have at least uh, a certain number of of restorations that you're doing in your practice to make sense you know if you're waiting for patients to walk through the door with your startup having uh, a machine sit there a two hundred thousand dollar machine sitting there doing nothing yeah. or even if it's just a scanner doing nothing doesn't make uh, a lot of sense mm-hmm. so early on with a, a startup yeah investing in a scanner makes sense because you can, you can get scanners for, you know, anywhere from, well, I don't know what the, what the price is probably from, you know, 20,000 up to 50,000, you know, and I know the Mm -hmm. prime scan buying the scanning scanner alone is somewhere around $55,000. But again, it's a question of whether you want to buy the Honda or the Ferrari and what are your hopes for the, the growth of that, of that technology in your office. And I mean, those are some things you need to take into consideration too. Sure. You can buy the $20,000 Honda, but you're not going to get all the, all the things that you want it to do down the road. So, I mean, you need to, you need to think about those things too. And, and in my opinion, yeah, buying something that is going to grow with you makes more sense. So, So in terms of the numbers, I think if, if you're at the point where you're doing, and it's not just about crowns, I mean, it's about so many other things and I could Mm -hmm. go on about that, but let's, let's just talk from a simple number standpoint with, with crowns. I mean, if you're doing 10 indirect restorations per month, Mm -hmm. then it makes sense in my mind and, and the numbers and those, and even back when I bought mine for the first time in 2009, those were the numbers that I, had that made sense to me now of course you're going to end up doing a lot more than that because it's very rare that I do a big MODL or even uh, you know a, a four surface any cuspal involvement I'm doing inlays onlays because it's a better restoration right and you know so that makes sense but you add on to it what you can the other options and the other capabilities that that this digital technology can do for you as I said I'm doing all my in-house ortho, and I'm making way more money with that, um, mm-hmm. you know, implants, the, the placement of the implants, I, I merge the, the files with my CBCT, and I'm doing guided surgery and milling my own and, and printing, 3D printing my own guides, you know, yeah. but from a simple standpoint, even just having a scanner in your office, you know, when I first started, one of the first things I invested in right after I bought my own practice immediately was an intraoral camera, and that made a lot of sense because of just patient education. But truly, I would say having a scanner like my Prime Scan now is a better tool for patient education because it has the camera involved also, but it's really, it's showing every patient their mouth. And they really appreciate what they're seeing and they have a better perspective of what's going on in their mouth. And they say, and they're asking you questions and they're yeah. saying, well, what about that? What about that old filling? And you yeah, you know, that may need replacing. We might want to talk about a crown and they're asking about these things. So just from a patient education standpoint, investing in a scanner very early on makes complete sense and it's going to take that, yeah. take you to the next level on top of that dentists, Patients are looking for, quote unquote, a digital dentist. It is important to be able to call mm-hmm. yourself a digital dentist early on because that is the buzzword that patients are looking for. Mm-hmm. So having a scanner in your office makes you a digital dentist. You know, yeah. the, the the actual financial benefit is only seen when you really start doing your own uh, in-house dentistry. Like you but utilize it, yeah. You, utilizing it in terms of making your own crowns and and utilizing Mm -hmm. it with your ortho and utilizing it with your, with your cat or with your, uh, cone beam system. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it just the advantage of being a quote unquote digital dentist early on is huge.
1: So there's one thing I want to talk about as well. Um, before we jump into, um, uh, ortho and digital dentistry, because I know, um, you have a lot of, uh, Cool tips uh, about that and sure smile. But before th- before we jump into that, I've seen you deliver some incredibly customized crowns. Um, he, uh, just a few months ago, I was shadowing uh, yep. Dr. Sumner, and he did this. In- it blew my mind. It uh, this incredible case. It was a functional crown lengthening uh, crown prepped it, scanned it with the Prime Scan. And then literally with just a few brush strokes, he, uh, you know, applied his tints and the final crown just blended in perfectly. Um, If you remember, it was photographed. And if you would take a look at it, there is no way you could tell that, you know, it wasn't done by a lab. So, and that was just an every, a normal day for him. Um, I think he was confused why I was so, you know, you know, astonished at how it just fits so well. But uh, so, so how, how do you achieve results like that? so I mean, I've shadowed a lot, and I've seen a lot of Sarah crowns, but just the way it integrates in the mouth is just different yeah. so how do you start uh, like your journey to um you know customize ceramics to that level, and how can myself or many others um learn to master that skill
0: yeah okay well that's 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 great, and thank you for <laughs> for those kind words and yeah, you're right i mean it's it's something that that I just have done for so long that it doesn't it doesn't seem like a, a work or a specialized thing to me. I just that's what I do. Um, how did I master it? Well, let's go back. Let me go back, first of all, to assess what you talked about. You know, and I know you mentioned I do a lot of single anterior crowns. And, and you know, they sell they say that is one of the toughest things to do. And I agree it's one of the toughest things to do. But I also think that it's important to do because sometimes it's the right thing to do, you know. And I've been to uh, these these uh, restorative guru lectures, and and they say never do a single crown, uh, do do two, do four, do six. You know what? Then you can do whatever you want with the shade. Patient's going to be happier, and and you can do anything you want, and that's fine. That's that's nice to do that. And and they say, but you can, and you can make more money, and then that's not why you should do it. But you know what? That doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Sometimes a patient comes in and the right thing to do is do one single crown and yeah you have to it it puts the onus on us as dentists to do the right thing and to match that it's challenging but that is saving them money and that is uh conservative dentistry and ethical dentistry and i think those are are a couple of things that have been very very important to me throughout my life and throughout my my career as a dentist and that's i that's why i've become good at it i would say it's because i i I forced myself. Now, right. I would say the ones I did 10 years ago, yet, you know, I look at them, patients may still love them, but I look at them now, they come back in and they're still loving them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I could do so much better than that. Right. And, uh, and But they have no problem with it. But so in terms of becoming uh, proficient and skilled at it, I guess, which is what we want to call me now with those anteriors, it, it comes down to materials and staining and glaze and, and experience um mm-hmm. you know before when i started there were not a lot of materials now there's a lot of materials and now even in the technology and the in the, the software we have the ability to do shade selection uh digitally on our prime scan and i know trios has that also um and there's different ways to take the shade correctly mm-hmm. you know vita has always been the the master of shades you know they're the company that you say what what are they known for well they're known for their shades now mm-hmm. that's not to say other shades aren't uh, don't work but they are known for their shades and and right. because i've had experience with the different materials over the years i've i've used the different materials and i know well if i use an emacs it's it could be a little bit brighter if i use a, a right. Seltra duo it's going to be a little bit more gray but vita the shade i pick is the shade i get but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean i just use vita i use materials because i i know what works And I can basically take, as long as I'm getting that body shade and the translucency that I want, then I can use any material and do the customization. And yeah, like I showed you, I mean, it's, 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 to me, it's easy because I'll say, well, here's where I want to put the, you know, put some yellow, put some translucency, put some craze lines in here, Mm -hmm. uh, some, uh, the incisal translucency. And, uh, you know, these are, these are the things that, you know, to me are, are certainly teachable things, um, where I kind of struggled through it and, and learned it on my, uh, on my own trial and error. Right. But I think if you take, if you take a little bit of a course and, and even probably you sitting with me there for, for that day, probably learned uh, enough that you could take it and then, and, and say, well, Jeff, you know, taught me this. And, and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a friend like you, I'd be happy for, you know, you, if you had a case, you get on, get on the phone or we get on a FaceTime or zoom or whatever. And you say, Jeff, here's what I have. I think the best thing to do is, you know, you take pre-op pictures, you take uh mm-hmm. post-op pictures, and then you can truly evaluate what you've done. And, you mm-hmm. know, having a mirror showing the patient, I don't know if there's a simple way that I can say to do it. And I mean, I've been trying to, trying to produce a simple way with working with data and working with companies and say how do we do this you know how do we get to this where it can give us a actual uh prescription on put this shade here put this shade there and and we're getting closer to it but it's still you know like like dentistry is it still is an art form it is art absolutely and in terms of the the design and you know in terms of the the staining glaze there is still an art to to it but it it is something that can be taught for sure
1: absolutely and you know what it showcases how important having a good mentor is so just like anything in dentistry it's um there's a lot of trial and error but uh, as long as we keep trying so that's awesome so
0: that's exactly that's why we call it dental practice is yet so you know one of these days we'll get it right
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so (laughs) i wanted to Talk about ShoreSmile with you and digital yes. printers. So I know you're one of the first key uh, opinion leaders um, here in Canada for ShoreSmile, and uh, you've been doing um, quite a bit. So let's uh, talk a little bit more about that and the digital workflow
0: and how you know,
1: you're you trying to optimize the orthodontic workflow in your practice as well.
0: Right, yeah, and, and that's fantastic. And to me, that is one of the biggest opportunities for dentists that uh they haven't capitalized on yet and in one of my talks that i gave over the past uh, number of months on dentistry academy it was talking about the next evolution of digital dentistry and most people would think that the next evolution is all oh, well i need to buy a scanner i need to buy a scanner and i said but, but like we talked about i think people already know they need to have a scanner i think that's mm-hmm. almost um common acceptance from dentists you know if you don't have a scanner you're you're being you're on the back part of that curve at this point If you're if you're lagging in that. So really the next evolution, and I, and I remember I I questioned the, the attendees and I said, who has a scanner, who has a, uh, you know, who has uh, digital x-rays, who has a CBCT? And, you know, I think we had most people, 90 or more percent, 95% people had uh, had digital X-rays. Fifty percent had a scanner. Maybe twenty percent in that range had a CBCT or or lower. Fourteen percent. And then I asked the simple question: Who has a three D printer? And it was four percent that were right. pulled that had a three D printer. And yet, this is one of the most inexpensive uh, technologies that we can buy. You can buy a three D mm-hmm. printer, a great three D printer, anywhere from like seven thousand up to fifteen thousand, and you're getting a quality three D printer. And the capabilities and the, the, what it can do for your practice is unbelievable. And yeah, so let's, let's talk about what it does and what it's done for me in terms of, of my ortho workflow. So years again, I've been using uh, Invisalign for mm-hmm. probably as long as I was a, uh, a CAD CAM guy. Since I bought my CERIC, I started using Invisalign and at the time you know we use our polyvinyl but then a number of years ago we started doing everything digitally where I would scan with the ortho and I taught that stuff for Sarek scanning with our ortho software and sending it to Invisalign but the scanning was painful it took a long time to do a full full arch scan upper lower and bite and it would you know we'd have to book half an hour or even 40 minutes if my if my assistants or hygienists were doing the scanning well now with prime scan and with the newer scanners what i can do i can scan any patient upper lower bite accuracy incredible in under 2 minutes so that's incredible. a game changer <laughs> Yeah. Now that that is a huge game changer. And then back in uh, twenty eighteen, Invisalign lost their patent. So they were not only they were not the only game in town doing clear aligners. So mm-hmm. all these other companies started coming out of the woodwork and and that was a tipping point for me. I wanted to really embrace my digital technology. So I, I was down at Dentseply Sorona World and I and I came upon this company, exceedortho.com. So I started using them, but they were they went the other extreme where they said you can use us and we're going to send you your digital file, um, of, and which is basically the ClinCheck, which is the treatment plan for that, uh, for the, for that ortho case. Here's the digital file and it costs you very little. I think it was $270, somewhere in that range, $270. And I had the wow. treatment plan. I'd go back and forth and develop and I say, yeah, I like this. This was fantastic. And then they would send me the STL files which is basically the digital file that I could do with whatever I wanted. Well, what I did was then I printed, the, printed my models and the models with the buttons and the different stages all the way along. So I would print those mm-hmm. models and then I used a, um, a vacuum form, not just the regular vac- vacuum form, but the negative pressure where it would actually suction those uh, and, and create those trays and trim those trays and I trained one of my staff. So we created our entire uh, clear aligner process in house with my 3d printer. And it's really not a tough thing to do. Yeah. There's a learning curve and, and early on it was, it was challenging and there's still a lot of people that don't understand it. And, and they don't want to do that. And that's, and that's fine, but it's not that tough. So we had, you know, my, uh, my, my digital coordinator, uh, Sam Elliott, she, she really embraced it. And, and she is now being asked by all these different companies, myself and her being asked to teach this. So sure Smile really has now, also by Dentsply Serona, really changed my mind. And I tried a number. I did Invisalign. I did Clear Correct. I did Exceed Ortho. And there's nothing wrong with them all. But SureSmile came along and they said, well, we're, we want to do everything, everything right. that you're talking about, Jeff. We want to do uh, the workflow where it's just the same as Invisalign, where you send us either impressions uh, or scans which again is, is better and faster um, and we can send you back your the the trays the aligners ready to go boom done right. you know what and guess what instead of costing 2,500 it costs 1,500 right. so you're saving a thousand dollars and you're getting the exact same workflow through Invisalign so that's fantastic but I was all I had already I was already three steps ahead of that and I was right. like well <laughs> why would I now take my price from 300 up to 1,500 so they said, well, we can do it, your workflow. We can do it where we just send you the, the digital files. And so that's what I've done, but they do anywhere in between too. So if you want to just have um, you know them produce the 3D or the, uh, print, your, print your models Crazy. or anywhere yeah. along the way, so you can fine tune whatever you want. Of course, I love it to do it, um, the entire digital workflow and, and 3D printing in-house mm-hmm. myself because the cost I'm saving now. Two thousand dollars had per case awesome. per case. So I mean, <laughs> to justify having a scanner and to justify spending that seven to fifteen thousand for a three D printer, it takes no time to recoup and to get your return of investment there. So this is just one of those opportunities where I look at I look at what dentists are doing, and they're you know it's an opportunity where I would be investing in a three D printer very quickly um, if I had some good advice to to, uh, to young dentists, um, for that ortho. And then you can save that money for your patients, for yourself. You can do whatever you want. And again, I've shown you, I know you've seen some of my cases where I do like full mouth rehabs and I use my 3d printer for that too, to try and my crowns along the way. And it really, there's just so many applications for it. Um, that it's just, it's, it's incredible.
1: That's, that's incredible. So like, I, I, Got you know first introduced to sure smile through just through talking to you, and uh, yep. I've been looking into it you know significantly. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. I've been getting into Invisalign myself, starting my orthodontic uh, uh, journey. So I'm very curious to uh, you know to learn more about sure smile because it looks like in terms of the clinical you know the clinical um, application, it's it's the same. It's just like the back end, right? Of how, how you got it those really trays, is yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. is. It,
0: and it's, you know, in my mind, and from what I've seen from the results, and it's as good as Invisalign, and this is, this is not to, to bad mouth Invisalign by any means. I mean, Invisalign has been fantastic. And, you know, I mean, to give Invisalign its its credit, they still have probably the nicest interface um, mm-hmm. with us and the nicest interface where patients can look at at their treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these other companies, it's they, they were the pioneer of the clear aligners right. and, and they did a fantastic job and still do. But mm-hmm. you know, it's like anything else when they lost their patent. Well, everybody else comes to the, comes to the table and comes says, the market, we, yeah. we can do something too. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So Jeff, we've talked a lot about digital dentistry today. So I wanted to ask you, how does someone come to master, you know, the digital workflow and ceramic dentistry? I know through Dentistry Academy that you're running a course, um, which you get into, uh, the applications from, you know, from beginners to advanced, um, uh, with the digital workflow and, and surrogate dentistry. So, um, you know, what can someone do to, to learn more? And if you can talk a little bit about your course as well.
0: Right. And, and thanks yet. And, and again, this is not, I'm not doing this to try to plug my course or anything, but you know, what I've learned along the way is there's been, uh, you know i've tried to put the pieces of the puzzle together and i take this course and that course and i learn implants from from this uh respected implant instructor and i learn uh, the uh invisalign and sure smile from different ones and i learn you know all these different aspects of of CERC dentistry but i had to kind of piece it all together myself so it's been it's not been uh as easy you know to to learn it and and when you learn from your implants you say well i want to do my implants with my my seric and with my digital uh workflow and they'd say well you you know you have to go take another course for that so what we've tried to do and what we are doing is we have courses that integrate it all together so that you can learn to do a single uh single crown in the posterior and then you can continue on with that journey you can we can teach you how to place implants and not only to place them but then to once you've once you've kind of mastered or learned the, the basic workflow of of CEREC dentistry or CAD CAM dentistry, then we're going to take that platform and add that on to uh, the placement of implants. And how do you now restore the implants that you placed? And it's really not that tough. And and when you're working with with a group where we understand the workflow and how it all flows between, and we teach that in our in our courses. Uh, it, it becomes quite easy. And then, you know, and then there's other courses where then you can learn kind of what I learned in terms of doing uh, bigger anterior cases and integration mm-hmm. of doing doing bridges or multiple uh, cosmetic uh, anterior cases. Mm-hmm. So that's all integrated within that. And then there's the, a... You know the the we talk about how to integrate your cone beam with everything that you do. So, so with our courses, you know, we have kind of pulled the best of the best together so that we're all working on the same platform. I mean, I I do a lot of implants, but I wouldn't be the guy to teach um, implants start to finish. We have you know right. Dr. Mian Quick. We have uh, you know Azim Sheikh who who teaches incredible implant stuff and and Steve Diana. Um, but again, when it comes down to the the restoring of of those implants. Yeah, I, I love to teach that, and that's my that's my wheelhouse where I, I feel very comfortable. So, in having these these masters work all under the same umbrella, and we work together so that uh, the curriculum flows, it just seems to to me that's how I would have wanted to learn. And I always think about going back to you know twenty three years ago, twenty years ago. What what would I want to mm-hmm. achieve? What would I want to learn from? from somebody that was out there teaching me that and what would make my journey that much easier. And so that's where we're, that's what we're trying to do along the way.
1: Yeah, no. And I've heard a lot of, uh, a, a lot of great things. and I'm, I'm personally super, super excited to, um, uh, take some of those courses and, uh, learn more from you because, uh, you know, see, seeing it firsthand, I, uh, I'm very, very hungry to, uh, to learn, um, all the, you know, tips and tricks for, um, sorry yeah. sorry, for sure. So,
0: well, uh, you're going to be successful without a doubt. I mean, you know, you're on a, you're on a great path yet. And, uh, and it. I think that the, the rest of these young guys here, you know, they're, they're on a fantastic path too. And and I'm happy to be, uh, to be a part of that. And if I can in any way help, help your, your group and your following, uh, you know, I, I'd love to be a part of it.
1: I appreciate it, Jeff. So the way, uh, the way I've been ending, um, these podcasts is, I just want to ask you, what are the three pieces pieces of advice you'd have for our listeners who want to achieve excellence in their careers? So, especially to the younger dentists that are within their first, you know, uh, one to five years of graduation.
0: Right, and and I think that's a great way to sum things up, Ziad, to to summarize what we've talked about here today. So, you know, in terms of my three pieces of advice, I would say number one. Find a mentor or mentors and, and, you know, learn everything you can from them. And I'm not talking about just dentistry. Obviously, dentistry is, is top of the list. But learn more from them. Learn about communication with your staff. Learn about the business. Learn about practice management. Learn what they do, what they've done uh, throughout their life to, to deal with, with issues. I mean, the, the joke we always say is that dentistry is easy. You know, it's the, it's the, the dealing with people and the management of people, not just your staff, but with, with patients. So, so find that mentor and, and, you know, get everything you can from them. Um, and, and hopefully you do that. You find somebody before you sign up to work with that person. I mean, it would be nice Mm -hmm. if you can find somebody, um, who's, who's willing to work with you and wants to, to share that knowledge with you. Mm -hmm. Number two, I would say embrace the evolution of technology you know, by doing this, you are going to stand out in your practice. I, I did it. Was I, did I see, was there a game plan? No. Part of me, uh, honestly, luck. It was luck that I, Mm -hmm. that I was able to do that. Um, you know, I, I got into it early and, and embraced it and, and truly I love what I do. Um, you know, and, and again, because I've done it for so long and, and have done well with it and been efficient and, and, successful with it you know for whatever reason people want to listen to me and and you can set yourself apart um by doing that and and being that niche not niche dentist but you know setting yourself apart by being an early adopter don't be the guy that gets into it because everybody else has yeah um, later on i just don't think that that's that's a good game plan And, you know, like you've touched on number three, I would say, and we've talked about it a fair bit here, Zed, is, you know, it's important to find a good balance in your life. Mm -hmm. The old saying, you know, all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Well, true. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. there is more to life than dentistry. You have Mm -hmm. to, you have to find that balance in order to, to live a fulfilling life you know, and on top of that, you need to be able to talk to people. You need to be able to relate to people, whether it's your staff, whether it's your patients, whether it's just friends, you know, it's important. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we love what we do and, and, and we are in a fantastic profession, but there's more to life than just dentistry and, you know, embrace that part of your life too. So I think that is, is really the biggest take home lesson. I mean, those are my top three, but you know, um, I, I hope that gives gives you and and your listeners some some good advice.
1: Absolutely, you know what? There's no better way to end uh, this great talk. I I've, I've learned a lot. There's a lot of uh, you know um, uh, valuable pieces of knowledge um, in this talk. And you know, as always, like I always love you know having a chat with you, uh, Jeff. So thank you, thank you so much for being on the show with us today.
0: Uh, my pleasure, Zed. I'm, I'm thrilled to, uh, to be a part of this and to be a part of your journey. And if I, as I said, if I can help uh, any of your listeners uh, be successful, uh, I, that would make me extremely happy. So good luck with you all. Uh, this is not a time to, uh, to be negative. This is, uh, this is the evolution. And, and if you get through this, which you will, you're going to look back and go, yeah, we made it through COVID times. No problem. Look at this. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Mastering Dentistry series on the Newbie Dentist Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and follow us. All relevant links are in the podcast description. See you next time.